got some news for you. You do not have to read the Bible. You get to read the Bible. For those of you taking notes, that's called a dramatic pause. The purpose of the Bible is not to read the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to encounter the author. You want to meet the living word in the written word. Trying to read the Bible without the Holy Spirit can actually do more harm than good. It's called how to be a Pharisee in two easy steps. <laughs> Open Bible, read without Holy Spirit. I just made that up because <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so in case you're wondering how to be a Pharisee, like, like, that's the seminar. That was it. That's it. He wrote the book. It's a revelation of what he's like. When you're reading the Bible, you're not reading principles. You're reading about the king. You're reading about... I, I, I've said this many times. Principles without the prince is more like witchcraft than kingdom. You're never supposed to just do these principles apart from God and try your best. That's called the old covenant. Well, let me throw this one at you. You're not actually supposed to try and do the Bible. You're supposed to become the kind of person who would naturally and easily do those things. The Bible says this. He says, if you make the tree right, the fruit will be right. So, so many times in Christianity, it's, it's self-help seminars where you're trying to tie apples to banana trees and say, look what I did. It says you're supposed to become the kind of banana tree that produces that kind of fruit. You're not supposed to try to be loving. You're supposed to become loving, and anything you do will work. <laughs> I'm not even trying to talk about this, but this is just fun. I think the spirit of feisty is still on me from last night. God loves to open up scriptures. By the way, welcome back from Kenya, our Kenya people. Or as I like to say, Kenya. So they'll be sharing testimonies. I guess you guys went five days without food and water, and we call that in the missionary world bragging rights. So, well, water and power, water and power, okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, wow. That, that, that is, Wow. <laughs> I don't even have words for that. So, yeah, for somebody who doesn't like going outside, I, don't, I can't imagine five days without power. So there we go. Here's what God loves to do. He loves to come from your future into your present and tap you on the shoulder with a promise that you're going to need. He's going to give it to you as a seed, and you need to steward it so that the fruitfulness becomes your breakthrough in your future. How many of you have ever been reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, um, it's like something just kind of leaps out at you? It's like, man, I, I'm not sure what this thing means, but I know that there's something on this right now, okay? That's God coming to you from your future, not trying to get you to read that passage, not trying to get you to memorize that passage, not trying to get you to study that passage, although you will need to do that. The purpose isn't to get you to study more and read more. The purpose is to get you the breakthrough in your future, but he's coming to you in your present saying, here's what you're going to need. What do we do as believers? Well, I'm going to write that one down. I'm going to put that on a card. That's, that's pretty good. I like that verse. Okay? That's not what you're supposed to do with those verses. Okay? When God gives you a passage, he's saying to you, everything in this passage belongs to you. You need to study it. You need to find out everything about it because every experience, every encounter in that passage, you are meant to have. And you need to have those encounters because you're going to need them in your future when the breakthrough is coming.
I don't know if this is like quiet contemplation or bored indifference here right now, but uh, yeah, when it's quiet, it means it's really, really good or really, really bad. And so I'll just figure this out now. Here's what's happening. Um, Christianity, I think a lot of people, today I want to talk about meditation a little bit. And I think when people think of meditation, they think of, uh, you know, a monk sitting there with his legs curled, or they think of, uh, you, know, a, you know, a nun in a, what do they call those, convents? I was going to say a nunnery, but that's not really a word. <laughs> they, they think it's some lofty thing for someone else. Here's what you need to understand. Um, Jesus spent 90% of his life in the marketplace, in the business world, and his meditation took place in the midst of the banging of hammers and the rasping of saws and the smell of wood chips. Meditation is for the business world, it's for your home life, it's for your family life. That's where meditation takes place. It doesn't just take place in a quiet room in your house for 10 minutes before work. <clears throat> that can be a good start. Meditation is day and night. It's carrying, it's carrying a picture of God. It's carrying that thing that he came and tapped you on, and it's allowing the Holy Spirit to unveil it. Trying to read the Bible and figure these things out with your head is like trying to read a book in the pitch black. It doesn't work. You need the light of the Holy Spirit to come and unveil those truths to you. Okay? Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, hey, not many of you were wise or noble or persuasive when you got saved. Okay? The people that meditation is for were the people in the first century who had big, rough hands with calluses on them. They sweated all day. These weren't like lofty people up in a, in a tower somewhere that were you know, the academic elite. Meditation is for the throbbing, sweaty workplace, the screaming kids, the, the chaos of your, of your normal day. That is what meditation is for. And these were the kinds of people who weren't of noble birth, who weren't of amazing persuasion. These are the people who turned the entire Roman world upside down. How did they do it? They didn't just get saved. They had... So here's what happened. The picture of the Old Testament. You've got Israel. They're in slavery. They get taken out of slavery, and they get taken into the wilderness. And here's what God says. He says, I want you to meditate on my words day and night. You're not going to live on bread alone. Apparently, uh, that worked for the, uh, the Kenya team. They're not going to live on bread alone. You're going to live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's the word that proceeds? It's the word that he's tapping you on your shoulder right now. This is what you need. You need it's not just picking random verses. It's when something is highlighted to you. I'm going to talk about what that looks like in just a moment. And then you're actually going to do it the most of the time here. Oh, boy. The reason that they had to meditate on these truths is they had been taken out of Egypt, but they hadn't had Egypt thinking taken out of them. And they could not go into the promised land with Egypt thinking. They needed kingdom thinking in order to go into the promised land. It's the same true for us. You get saved, all of these things are true about you, and the Bible says things like this, set your mind on things above. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think on these things. What's he doing? He's using New Testament language to describe an Old Testament reality that works in both Testaments. As you've been taken out of slavery, you had this old man thinking, striving, trying to please God, guilt, I'm not good enough. He's like, listen, that guy died. That guy, can, that gal, they cannot drive your life. There is a kick-butt overcomer on the inside of you. That person is the one that needs to be steering your car. And the reason that person uh, sits in the front seat and gets the driver's license is through meditation. It's through the things that Jesus paid for becoming more real in your life through thinking on these things, being transformed. I'm not thinking out them in my human power. It's God, a truth comes alive in my heart. It's God coming to my, for my future, into my present, saying, this is what you need. It comes alive. I begin to think on these things and meditate on these things. It's like I'm holding a jewel up to the light. 
And then um, I'm waiting for the light of his presence. So I'm not studying these things with my mind. I'm listening with my heart. My mind's being renewed, but it's not primarily an intellectual thing of trying to do this. The study and the memorization just gives you new ways to turn it in front of the light. So I see a new insight, and I hold it up before him, and I listen with my heart. And as he speaks to my heart, I become the kind of person who can be that verse that I need to be in the future. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Who in here wants to be prosperous and successful? Keep the book of the law and always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it. Here's a picture of meditation. Here's two pictures. One is like of a, uh, of a cow chewing its cud. And so you, you know, it chews it and then it... Um, burps it up with renewed flavor. And then it swallows it again. And it has like the five stomachs and it keeps going through that process. I had a roommate in college that had the same thing. It was really weird. What are you doing? You're chewing on this thing. You're thinking about it. You're looking at it from different angles. You're holding it before the Lord. You're listening on it over and over again. To the point where, I'm not sure if you've ever done this, where you're thinking about something so intently that you find yourself talking to yourself out loud about it. Has anyone ever had that happen? Someone's like, who are you talking to? Um, um, no one. Well, you know what you're doing? You were actually meditating on something. You were thinking about it so intently that it even came out of your mouth. That's the picture of biblical meditation. As God has come to you from your future, into your present, he's tapped you on the shoulder, and now you're walking through this process of watering that seed until it becomes a 30, 60, 100-fold return in your life. And the way you do it is through thinking about this thing. It may involve praying in tongues over it, with it, because why? You're praying... Uh, you're praying in the spirit, and he, you're praying the perfect will of God, and it says that your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is praying, and it says, pray that your mind may interpret. So you can actually begin to meditate with your mind and pray in the spirit, and God begins to bring revelation. We did a whole message on this a couple weeks ago. Listen to Psalm chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law when? Day and night. Not 10 minutes before work, in the workplace, with the screaming kids, with the whole situation. Are you ready for the promise of what happens? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Who in here would like that to be written on their gravestone? Whatever they did prospered. What's the key to that? Getting hands laid on you, double portion, shaken under the spirit. That can be great if it leads to something that you begin to take as a seed and begin to steward. Listen, just about everything in the kingdom is released as a seed. We think it comes in a full-grown tree. Man, I had this encounter. It was amazing. Hey, how come my life's not that much different? Because that was the seed that was to grow into the fruit that you were to become. So how do I know if God's speaking to me in the Bible? Let me just give you two things, then you're going to do it. This is going to change your life. You guys ready for your lives to change? How do I know God's speaking to me through the Bible? Um, number one, do I have a question? Have you ever been reading the Bible and you're like, hmm, I wonder what that means? The reason you're having a question is God is inspiring the question because he wants to give you the answer. People who don't have questions don't recognize the answers when they come. 
And so God gives you the question, and you need to be hungry enough to begin to steward that question. As long as you're asking questions, God is giving answers because God's the one who inspires the questions. In um, the Gospel of Mark, there's 67 episodes, and when there's some, where, where there's some sort of conversation, Jesus is asking 50 questions in those 67 episodes. Whose face is on the coin? Whose inscription is printed with? Why do you call me good? What does Moses command you? By what authority did John the Baptist do what he did? And on and on and on. Behind every question Jesus asked was an invitation to a relationship to discover the answer. God's not trying to make you smarter. He's trying to make you like him so you can transform the world. God initiates conversations with questions. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. Ready for this? For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. What's Jesus doing is he wants to share revelation with his friends. You're in the family now. And so he's looking, listen, I want to give you revelation, but you're not ready for it until you, until you have the question in your heart, so now you're paying attention. Now there's a hunger. Now there's a quest. It's like Easter egg hunting, right? The, the, the fun is in the adventure. You know, if someone's like, um, hey, here's some eggs. Oh, this, this is great. Can we, can we do this again next year? Like, like, that's not the adventure part. The adventure is the hunt for the eggs. And, we, you know, we've said this many times, but God doesn't hide things from you. He hides things for you. The parents don't go to the Easter egg hunt and bury it three, to, you know, three feet down on the ground and be like, hey, kids, <laughs> what do you think? No, that's hiding it from them. You know, when they're little, you know, it's like, you know, on top of the couch, getting warmer, getting warmer. Well, that's what God does. He's like, I got this truth for you, and here's how I'm going to hide it for you. Here's a question. So you're reading the Bible. Huh, what does that mean? I'm sure all of us have had that experience where you're reading the Bible, you're, you're in chaos, you're just kind of in turmoil, and you read it, and this peace washes over you, but you couldn't explain it with your head if you had to. You, can, you know what that is? That's revelation coming to you. That's revelation. There may be questions that begin to come out of that, okay? Um, second way that you know that um, God's speaking to you through the Bible, did something stick out to me? It's literally this simple. This is, how, this is the language of the Spirit when reading the Bible. Did I have a question? How many of you have ever had a question or had something stick out to you when you read the Bible? I've got great news for you. The creator of the universe is inviting you into an encounter with him. That's him speaking to you. Well, Jim, I thought it would be more dramatic. I did too. <laughs> but, I, but I'm realizing God, he, he likes to come into the everyday and not just the bazap. I don't know if I've ever said the word bazap before. <laughs> can we just start a hashtag bazap? See if we can get that trending. That'd be powerful. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. You have heard how the mystery was made known by revelation. Mystery made known, revelation. You can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. I mean, that passage is so filled with mysterious language. Here's the bottom line of it. You can't hunt down revelation. You can't figure it out. You can't intellectualize it. It's a curtain that's covered until the Holy Spirit breathes on it and reveals it. Then you go, ah. And the way that process starts many times is you're reading the Bible and something sticks out to you. I can't explain it with my head. I, I don't know, but man, there's something on this thing. God is inviting you into an encounter because the purpose of the Bible is to encounter the author, not to make you smarter so you can debate people on Facebook. 
That one was for me personally. <laughs> Oftentimes, revelation comes out of the blue. Like you're, you're, you're showering, you're mowing the grass. Like I find that sometimes my greatest revelation comes when my hands are engaged in something that's mindless. So it's kind of like my mind's in neutral. You know, you're washing the clothes, you're folding the laundry, and then all of a sudden something comes out of the blue. It's like, I wasn't even trying to think of that. Okay, those are the things you need to pay attention to. Uh, the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Write it down. Write those things down, and those become the things that you begin to chew on. And let it go into one stomach and the next stomach and let it come back up to the point where you're going through your day and literally you begin to mutter these things. This is how you're going to get business ideas. This is how you're going to get witty inventions. This is how you're going to get problems to impossible solutions in your workplace. How are you going to do it? It's the same picture in Genesis 1 of um, the Holy Spirit hovering over the chaos. What are you doing? You're praying in tongues over this thing. You're asking the Lord for things. You've got this little seed of an idea and now God's going to begin to sprout it. I got this invention idea. I know that God's got something on this, and what's happening? You're meditating on it. Listen, meditation isn't just for the churchy stuff. I love in John 16, he says, Everything from the Father I have come to make known to you. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Google's a pretty awesome search engine. You've got the Holy Spirit who's searching the mind of God, and he's taking those things and bringing it to you, and he's good at everything. There's no problem you will ever face where the Trinity's like, oh, man, this is a bad one. This is, wish we'd have thought of this on the cross. Here's one of my core values. There's always a solution. There's always a solution. Something comes, it's like, you know, my spirit's like, oh, boy. Oh, dang. My mind says, you know what, there's always a solution. And I begin to meditate on it, begin to hover over that chaos with the Holy Spirit. The Bible is always a revelation of Jesus, not just instructions for living life. If you remove Jesus from the Bible, you have nothing. If you remove the Holy Spirit from reading the Bible, it can do more harm than good. Look at the Pharisees who killed Jesus. Paul prayed for the spirit of revelation, so can we. So when God gives you a question or something jumps out to you, that's your time to pay attention that's your seed where you begin to God saying, I want you to inherit this word. I want you to explore the promises of this thing with me. I want you to meditate on it. It is better for you to meditate on one verse fruitfully than to read through the Bible on a schedule in the entire year. Don't act like you don't get stuck in the first four chapters of Leviticus every year in your little plan. <laughs> Chapter 15, it's a whole thing on menstrual cycles. Like, oh my word, what's happening here? Every time I read it, I'm like, God's concerned even about your plumbing. That's my takeaway from Leviticus 15. <laughs> Let's just consider that my sermon on Leviticus 15. Now I don't have to preach it. <laughs> Who in here did not get a piece of paper um, uh, with, uh, with the activation out with um, Psalm 23? So Graham Cook has broken down. Uh, it's like he has looked at meditation from so many different practical angles. And so I took an exercise that he did and I adapted it. I footnoted it in there. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to take 15 minutes and I want you guys to follow this instruction and meditate on Psalm 23 from the Passion Translation. We're going to give you a little traveling music, then we're going to come back together and we're going to kind of process what happened. But I want you, listen, 
You're going to look for things that stick out to you. I want you to write down some questions. If there's some words that just look extra juicy, circle them, underline them, make some kind of crazy doodad next to it. Okay? When you put a pencil in your hand when you're reading the Bible, here's, here's, what, here's what I feel it's like, is God, I'm waiting for revelation. I'm so expecting it that I've got a pen in my hand. See what I'm saying? Versus, yeah, I've got to get through this chapter before work. Bzzz. Okay? So 15 minutes, just read through those instructions. And um, if you don't get through all the questions, just make sure the ones that you do get through are meaningful. So just slow down and enjoy it. And you're going to have an encounter with the author. You guys ready? See you in 15 minutes. Five seconds, get your last revelation. Well, how was it? How many of you had something jump out to you in the passage? Raise your hand. How many of you had a question come up? Well, congratulations. You guys heard from God through the scriptures. You've got an invitation to an encounter. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take seven minutes and just get with one or two people next to you and just kind of share what was happening in the passage. Maybe something that was easy for you, something that was hard, something that you heard. Um, don't try and take this as a time to teach. You know, but just really kind of what God was sharing with you. And then we'll uh, bring it back together and close it out. See you guys in seven minutes. Introduce yourselves, too. If you have a breath mint, that's always appreciated. All right, let's try to bring it back together here. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that exercise. Sounds like you're still enjoying it. Here's what I would encourage you guys to do. is as you're reading your Bible and uh, something sticks out to you or you have a question, well, just take this process and uh, you can just begin to use it and then, you know, it, it kind of catalyzes you to take it throughout your day or take a little part during the day. Just adapt it however you want. But I, I just found this to be super valuable for when there's those things that stick out to us. Mary and I, we've got those passages that stick out to us. We put them on a note card and she has this thing in our, um, we have a kind of a room dedicated to just spending time with the Lord. And so... Uh, we kind of have them up on the wall there. And so whatever you got to do to keep those things before you, uh, they're treasures. It's, uh, boy, it's how we grow. So, so many people are trying to grow through just like anointing or just like encounters with the Lord, but it's the, it's the seed of the Word of God that brings the fruit. And so we, uh, uh, we need Word and Spirit. We don't want to be a one-winged air airplane. We want Word and Spirit. For you Star Wars fans, we want to bring balance to the force. We want both. I'm going to ask Sean to come close us out. Bless you guys.